Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. All the 17 SDGs are in a way, you know, it has a relation to the foundations of United Nations are concerned. And that's why I say it is it's people, planet, peace and uh, prosperity. So it again, uh, you know, get back to the origination of where uh, United Nations are. And this, this year we are celebrating the 75th year of United Nations, so which again adds back uh, to that. How are we measuring uh, these uh, United Nations going forward? SDG community, what's going on? In today's SDG Talks podcast, we're going to hear from Vidyahar Prabhu Desai about a range of issues, starting from the impacts of weather and climate change around Indian migration, to looking at some of the origins and the evolution of from the League of Nations to the United Nations, and how this all ties into our collective unit effort to the SDG 30 agenda. Uh, Vidyahar has a special focus on the quality of education and the gender balance, and he'll give us some examples on how to measure and how to tangibly create impact, and particularly driving in some of the involvement of the private sector. Hope you enjoy listening, and keep on SDG talking. Welcome back to the SDG Talks podcast. Really excited today. We have Vidyahar Prabhu Desai. Vidyahar, how are you doing today? Hey, Kevin. Thank you for inviting me for the talk. Uh, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm doing great, uh, in fact. That's good to hear. And where are you located today? I'm, I'm located in Mumbai. So I've been living here since I'm born. Very nice. And how is the, the weather for you right now? Summertime, tree? Uh, Okay? So it's, it's kind of it's kind of uh, rainy season going on. It's paused at the moment. Probably will be entering summers uh, very soon. So okay. you know, in India, you have typically uh, instead of two weathers, which is uh, summer and winter, we have about four or four to five seasons. You have summers, you have rainy season, then you have mid summers, and then you have a little bit of of winter here and there. So we are kind of a mid-summer zone, uh, which is typically phased towards the end of the September and uh, till the mid of November. So, and after the mid of November, you get it into your winter days, so which will last until February. And then again, the main uh, summer starts. Interesting. And this may not be where we had thought this conversation would go right at the start, but how does some of that weather and the climate impact maybe aspects of migration or or some of the the Indian identity. I know a big thing is that so many geographies and in countries are defined by their climate and their the geographies. But with India's unique climate, how does that tie into India's story? So if I look at the climate as as an overall uh, scenario and at the climate crisis uh, every country is facing today. I would say that the story of India is not different uh, from the rest of the world. Though there are more seasons seen in India uh, compared uh, to other, but but the story uh, is the same. It's, it's, we need to find out in terms of how we can address uh, the correct 
current challenges to the climate crisis that is happening and i see that uh, this climate uh, crisis which is happening is is basically ties back to uh, the human nature itself so human have actually exploited the earth and uh, and and the natural resources that have been given to them for 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 doing this livelihood they have gone beyond uh, for the prosperity reasons so they have gone beyond uh, for the prosperity reasons and and done uh, 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 too much of construction they have done too much of uh, mining they have been uh, doing too much of uh, burning of forests so which is adding uh, if if i have to quote some of the experts it typically adds up up to 150 uh, million tons of uh, man made uh, pollution or or you say a global warming kind of a pollutants uh, to the environment every year and if i have to circle back this pollution the greatest impact of this is, is that more than uh, let's say 90 percentage of uh, heat is ex- generated extra so the, the, for the last 4 5 years uh, the, the this heat actually has been going back to the ocean and kind of disrupting the water cycles as such so wherein you get uh, you know, floods you get storms and and uh, uh, these kind of things extreme things are happening and what is also happening with with this thing is that kevin due to these floods and storms uh, uh, the top soil of 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 the earth is actually uh, reducing and uh, and one of the result of of the topsoil getting reduced is that uh, uh, you see there is a uneven surface uh, of earth which is happening and which is actually resulted in droughts so at at one end you have uh, you know floods and and uh, storms where you have excess of water and at the other end uh, you have the droughts which are which are coming up and the entire climate uh, the impact which is there is actually impacting the the bottom of the pyramid people so which is more than 80 85% of the population is which is uh, uh, the bottom of pyramid it is impacting those people as a result what happens is that if if you have droughts and if you have severe extreme climates you're not able to sustain uh, your livelihoods in one part of, of the world you tend to migrate you tend to migrate and uh, you you cross boundaries you you go to uh, uh, different nations then which further adds you the, the problem of of political and economic pressures okay so in a way if if you look at it and if you look at uh, the sdgs as such so which are 17 sdgs these are uh, 17 sdgs of primarily get into uh, four components as such so one is your people component the second is your planet component third is your prosperity component and fourth is is a peace component so as i mentioned uh, you have a planet goals at at one point of time uh, which is kind of a result of uh, you the over uh, prosperity uh, done by by human uh, by human beings which tends uh, to disrupt your climate then you tend to disturb the people people again and then when people uh, you know travel across borders it, it's actually create issues towards peace so all these goals uh, 17 sdgs goals are very interconnected interesting so that's how how, how that's how I, i look at the scenario whether it is india whether it is europe whether it is uh, americas or whether it's africa middle east australia pacific everywhere uh, the situation is the same Yeah, I mean it's it's the same with its own local context and I liked how you 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 phrase it in the sense where we have our the SDGs and within that we have these planet goals from people, planet, prosperity, peace 
And there's so many issues that we face. And then there's also a lot of different organizations that are doing work to support the 17 initiatives and to, to be able to provide all these different aspirations that we have as a collective unit. But how within this context, which is so broad, give me some context on some of the work that you've done of how, how have you taken some of this, this big macro discussion around trying to impact climate change or trying to provide food to those in need or how to provide economic prosperity. I mean, those are really big statements, but from your experience and some of the work that you've done, let's say with lead cap or some of the organizations that you're part of with mm-hmm. climate reality project with global shaper, what are some specific examples of some projects you've done that have addressed some of these, these major pressing issues? Correct, correct. Uh, one of the interesting I, I forgot to mention about SDGs. Okay, so SDGs uh, were framed in 2015, but I, I feel that these SDGs have a very strong connection as far as the foundations of United Nations is concerned. Okay, if you if you look at history and recall how United Nations were formed, it is post-1945 World War, there were two representatives of power, one with, one with the United States and one uh, with the United uh, States of Soviet Russia, two extremist uh, part of it, and they came together and decided uh, to form a common body to avoid future wars as such, and that body was called as Leagues of Nations. And further, uh, the, the progression started and you know, some, some 70, 80 countries further joined it and collectively formed uh, you know, four or five goals, uh, you know, which actually formed a foundation of United Nations. These four to five goals were again intended to, to look at international peace and security, you know, maintaining friendly relations among these nations, uh, promote uh, social progress, improve uh, standards of, of living. So all the 17 SDGs are in a way, you know, it has a relation to the foundations of United Nations as concerned. And that's why I say it is it's people, planet, peace and uh, prosperity. So it again uh, you know, get back to the origination of where uh, United Nations from and this this year we are celebrating the 75th year of United Nations, so which again adds back uh, to that. How are we measuring uh, these uh, United Nations going forward? Since we have close to about 50, uh, 15 years uh, left to, to to reach the 2030 target. Personally, what I what I do is that uh, I'm I'm more passionate about uh, quality of education and and gender balance. So these two. Uh, goals is where I'm, I'm focusing on and I believe that uh, it is very critical as, as the entire human life depends on the quality of education digit. Uh, it is not just the literacy that I talk about over here It's uh, which means that it's a person's uh, ability to, to read or write uh, things like that, communication also, but it also uh, things such as an empathy and, and the person, the value he carries uh, through, through his lifetime. And uh, if you see uh, these values are actually shown very starkly as far as the pandemic situation is concerned and people who have emerged as heroes are are the most empathic uh, people uh, on the ground as far as I understand. As I mentioned, I I work uh, primarily on the quality and and striking uh, balance and I'm a United Nations fellow as well. 
So I look at it in terms of uh, measuring uh, the impact goals as far as countries are concerned. And when when we looked at uh, the gender balance, for example, and we studied uh, a few countries, and we one of the countries, well, let's say for example, Afghanistan uh, was among the bottom of the ranking as far as the gender balance was were concerned. So we as as lead cap we evaluated that as a nation, and and we discussed uh, with uh, the governments and some of the experts uh, within the nation uh, how we can uh, improve uh, the the gender balance uh, of the nation as such. So we were looking at conducting uh, research across the country. Some with working with uh, some of the universities, uh, uh, some of the government officials, and and figuring out the ways to balance between the men and the women aspect of it. Uh, in terms of very basic thing, in terms of access to education, access to healthcare, access to mobile and internet. How are they treated uh, at home? How are a girl child treated at home versus a boy child? What are the differences uh, uh, we we see in terms of upbringing of them? How are they uh, punished uh, over there? What is the impact uh, on the on the life of women in, as far as punishments are concerned? What are the extreme steps uh, should be stopped uh, as far as the uh, the nation is concerned to reduce uh, the gender gap? So these these areas, uh, you know, I evaluate. I, I look at conducting in, impact assessments and provide recommendations to uh, to the UN and and to the country at a country level, which they take it forward and and look at implementing. So based on our findings that were done last year, uh, they partnered uh, to uh, with with an institution and implemented uh, reforms as far as education of of girl child. Is concerned. They evaluated uh, and bring in some of the experts and develop uh, programs which got implemented. And right now, I'm actually evaluating the first phase of the completion of, of the program as far as the girl child education is concerned. So, in terms of access, education facilities, uh, the time uh, has the time of uh, spent in the school from the girl it has increased or not, or whether they have been able to improve the literacy levels uh, over there as far as the primary and secondary education is concerned. So and so. Wow. Well stated and well put. And I, when you were talking, I was I was going to ask you. Well, okay. Well, how do you measure all the, the like when you talked about Afghanistan being lowest on the list? How do you measure that? And you gave me some context. But I think what I'd like to know you, you provided some recommendations. But what are these recommendations, and how do you create impact and and tangibly? If you're let's say at a zero out of hundred, how do you get to 15 out of 100 on some of these scales that you talked about from access to jobs, access to internet. I mean, it seems, again, like a huge problem, but what are some tangible things that on a micro, uh, like a, at a household level, on a, in a city level that can be done to help improve and move the needle when it comes to this gender balance, quality of education dynamic? Yes. Uh, the good question, uh, Kevin. So uh, the way uh, the implementation of, uh, of these programs uh, work is that uh, works is that so there is a funding agency uh, which gets involved who uh, 
who funds uh, the program mobilization and implementation o- over there they bring in sectorial experts uh, internationally who are able to design uh, the curriculum they take uh, uh, inputs uh, from the country in terms of uh, how is the understanding of of the various subjects as far as uh, the girls are concerned so if i look take an example of a girl who's uh, in the primary education how uh, what is the level of understanding as far as uh, some of the languages are concerned say english language or whether uh, they they have seen a computer or they have not seen a computer so it goes at at a very very micro level at first itself and a specific customized uh, when a program is concerned as far as uh, education is concerned so because i've seen close how the education programs were implemented uh, as far as the country is concerned and this is how they have done so they have done a very deep diving they have done a, a, a very a focused approach wherein they have taken uh, you know opinions of the current education experts from the country plus they have taken opinions of the experts uh, from various uh, uh, parts of the world and tailor made uh, the program which is focused on that particular country itself that's how the programs were developed and the programs close to about 6 months to a year to develop itself uh, and because you know we uh, at, at at the midway when the programs were done we had evaluated uh, a concept uh, note uh, i mean a concept test itself to to understand whether that programs were going to work in in that country or not or what kind of receptiveness or what kind of acceptance uh, level are there uh, in, in the country as far as these programs are concerned so it's it's kind of a cooperative discussion and inclusive discussion that has happened and then uh, the programs have been designed and and got implemented and within that framework which you just talked about and thank you it's obvious that this cannot be done in a silo this cannot be done by one person one organization what's the importance of public private and and nonprofit to accomplish these goals and particularly from the private sector how do we drive private sector interest to make this something that not only that companies or private industry wants to do but but you know is is something that becomes part of their identity and and drives value for their supply chain i mean what do you what are your thoughts on that okay so private sector in fact is the key driver in this so the most of the money if it's is going to be spent by by the government in fact they they, they are seeking public private partnerships uh, as well so wherein the wealthy people uh, as far as the country is concerned contribute and fund the impact uh, uh, programs as such wherein they also uh, get benefit uh, on certain uh, of, of at certain levels from the government who because they are spending money for for the betterment of the country so private sector is is a key driver over here so they kind of uh, you know deploy the funds to it if the funds are shortage definitely the government seeks uh, external funding as well which probably in this case was done and they had to secure certain funds uh, from abroad to to implement uh, certain programs and then uh, what the other part uh, in terms of the designing of the, of the curriculum or the programs are concerned yes it's again a collaborative effort wherein the local educators and administrators collaborated with again international experts and co uh, designed the program and and the implementation methodology how it is going to delivered how are they going to measure the goals and how what are the you know expectations uh, from that program so if this is how as far as i understand uh, the the program has has gone Archer. And it seems like 
within 2020, which has been a, a year that has turned the world upside down, literally and figuratively, hypothetically, in a lot of ways. And it's, COVID has, has, has really pushed a lot of countries and businesses and individuals to rethink how we do everything. And mm-hmm. with that, there's been all these new risks, but at the same time, a lot of new opportunities. Mm-hmm. What are some examples or things that stick out to you of some individuals, companies, or local or state governance around India or the world that has caught your eye or something that's impressed you that, that gives you some excitement for the future? Okay. Uh, see, uh, COVID, in fact, uh, uh, you know, you know um, in, as far as the, uh, the current economic situation uh, is concerned, not just India and across the world, COVID, in fact, is, is the biggest disruptor that the world has seen. And everybody is trying to uh, ensure that they are actually readjusting themselves and refitting their uh, the model itself. So uh, I would say probably we are just put a foot forwards uh, as far as uh, the recovery is concerned. And uh, most of the organizations uh, have shifted their priorities uh, and the, from the lessons that they have learned from the pandemic. And this is how they are actually uh, looking at changing themselves. In fact, uh, what what I think is that uh, uh, many aspects of our lives will never be same again. It, it, it is forthright. It is very clear. Some businesses will never recover, and uh, we must see that uh, this challenging situation as an opportunity to work together and be stronger and build a more resilient economy with the sustainable development goals, keeping these SDGs at the heart. Okay, I think we should use the SDGs as a tool to revive the economy and that is what my learning is my learning is is in th- th- three steps one we could use sdgs to unite all sectors okay build uh, build up a plan to make it uh, stronger and more resilient we must use sdgs to prioritize the most vulnerable people or most vulnerable uh, sectors and eliminate the inequalities and then use sdgs to develop policies uh, uh, for building healthy planet and and getting back to the to the net zero economy what we did discuss about in in the paris agreement so this is a way, in a way sdgs is kind of a, a tool that that can be used uh, uh, to to kind of uh, reimagine uh, the business because in fact uh, you know sdgs have already hired businesses uh, to be inclusive uh, in the past you know it has actually uh, reimagined the business model uh, uh, since 2015 since they were uh, introduced so under that model business uh, have started paying different you know decent wages they have started respecting the environment and trying to be more sustainable and contribute substantially to uh, you know meet uh, these sustainable development uh, priorities as such and when I look at these SDGs, so what we require is uh, a reboot of the economy at, at a very you know, macro level as such, So, which typically addresses uh, certain challenges such as economic inclusion or uh, uh, natural resources getting diminished, uh, environmental degradation happening, geopolitical issues, which are kind of uh, you know, impacting uh, the economy. When we look, uh, keep a, a, a macro focus of the SDGs, well, then you need 
need to look at uh, even the micro focus of the SDG. So where we uh, look at uh, very uh, from a very business perspective, we look at from academics perspective, we look at uh, a non-profit perspective, uh, we look at specific industry uh, perspective. So at at a macro level, we look at the bigger goals, uh, setting the agenda kind of a thing, and micro uh, level we look at implementation agenda as such. And and these micro uh, you know elements will help us to dictate and to direct uh, and to monitor the implementation uh, going forward. Very well put. And one kind of, as you talked about that, I was in my head thinking too about some of the specific work that you are doing and, and how some of the listeners might be able to get involved and, and sort of learn from some of your successes or failures. And, and to kind of, you know, close us out here uh, within the final thoughts, could you give us some context on, some of the organizations that you're working with right now and, and what are some active projects that exist that are addressing all this work that you're doing in this, in this STG framework? Mm. Yeah. See, as I mentioned, uh, these SDGs are very interconnected. So even if I'm, I'm working on, uh, let's say, an example of quality education, as, as I mentioned, uh, the quality of education is probably related to availability of manpower power and features. So, uh, so one goal of quality education is directly related to a future availability of manpower and which is again a requirement of, of business uh, itself. Uh, so, in a way, uh, uh, as far as lead cap is concerned, we work with uh, international institutions where we look at uh, uh, how some of uh, these uh, SDGs are are getting addressed. So, so where we look at uh, you know mapping the best practices conducted by the organizations across, and how we map it and and publish uh, a report in terms of what are certain best practices as far as certain. SDGs are concerned. So last year, we worked on uh, best practices as far as uh, adoption of information and communication and technology uh, goals are concerned. So we looked at, uh, for example, a goal, let's say, uh, production and uh, you know, production and uh, you know, consumption, uh, responsible consumption and production goal of, of here. So how this ICT best practices can lead to responsible production and, and con- consumption. So we mapped certain technologies uh, that were there which helped the production, which helped them to cut the cost of production, certain technologies which, which try to predict the consumer behavior and then tie back uh, to, to the manufacturing capacities of, of, of specific sector is concerned and then you know accelerate or or uh, or reduce uh, the focus on the production part of it and realign your your sales and production targets as such so best practices understood uh, you know in, in technology where 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 these practices are done got implemented uh, to uh, another uh, you know goal as such and that's how some of the organizations have changed their their production practices uh, is concerned so this is how we we look at it so we we look at certain things and they they are impacted in in some other way way at, at some other place love it and for one last comment and question here what are what's a final thought of inspiration or hope or or anything that you want to give us to to end off here today about the sdgs or how people can get started or some final thought from you here today 
Okay. Uh, final thoughts. So, uh, if I if I look at SDGs and relate the back to businesses, uh, since that is my core uh, core area, I think uh, organizations till today are actually cherry picking some of the SDGs. So, when I say cherry picking, now I mean that these SDGs uh, they get prioritized at a CEO level, and then. Uh, probably they are getting managed uh, at a csr level or at a communication uh, level and uh, when when they actually get integrated into business functions for example it could be operations or maintenance or sales it, it kind of uh, trickles down as in there are actually gaps and leaks uh, which are happening and moreover some uh, you know most of the organization uh, uh, focus on few sdgs so for example i know climate action is the most uh, sought uh, sdgs most of the Surveys you know, tend to tilt to that thing that this is the, the SDGs are there one. Second, as I mentioned, responsible production and consumption uh, is is the is the second most uh, goal uh, which is which is sought out. And then you have uh, decent economic uh, growth kind of a thing. These are the top three SDGs with which most organizations focus on. Uh, the reason that they focus on these because they uh, you know they feel that they are directly related to bottom line and that is why i think they have been given uh, more importance okay and certain goal like uh, life uh, below water okay that is gets least uh, prioritized i think uh, what people you know companies should do is that they should integrate uh, sdgs into their corporate strategies and ensure that uh, it is engaging with uh, they are engaging with uh, the internal teams as well considering if i if i look at india as, as a market or or the economy as such and the potential that uh, it has to offer uh, and i don't think so uh, we we would be left out as far as any sdg is concerned we should but we definitely change how businesses uh, actually are spending uh, on uh, their csr funds uh, on certain uh, aspects so for example it is spending on healthcare digital literacy education poverty these kind of things i feel that there is a large gap uh, since they are implemented in the most traditional way and there is no accurate measurement done or uh, they have been tracked to to measure the real impact and hence we end up duplicating this effort probably we should look at you know stopping the duplication of of this or reduce uh, the duplication effort over here and probably look at you know you know collaborating in a bigger way wherein your businesses your foundations your high net worth individuals your governments uh, your corporates your the small and medium businesses all work together including uh, the academia uh, international think tanks all work together uh, towards one goal one common goal vidyahar very well put and i'm really impressed with all the work they're doing in the context from the sdg talks podcast community family it was a pleasure the honor to to hear you talk about this i'm really excited to see what's next for you and continue to follow you and just want to thank you for your time today and i hope you have a, a great rest of your day week and in many months ahead of successful work towards sdgs yes thank you so much kevin Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from the show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in the United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.